Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dave. I have a special co-host here today, Morgan. Hello. Happy to be here. And we are talking to Doug and Harry about the journey they have been on with Code Catalyst this past year. Doug is the Principal Product Manager Technical for Code Catalyst, and Harry is the GM for Code Catalyst and all of our code services at AWS. Thank you so much for taking the time to come back and talk with us. No problem. <laughs> yeah, glad to be back. <laughs> and for those that don't know, Harry is like literally getting over uh, like a, something, pneumonia, flu, bronchitis. I don't know what it is. So you are a real champ for joining us here and giving us the inside information on Code Catalyst. So extra it's liter thank you. literally pneumonia, not an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. No, no problem. Amazon Code Catalyst. For those who haven't listened to the previous, uh, when we did the GA, gosh, what was that, six months ago? Six months ago, mm -hmm. when we GA'd, give a little background on what this product is all about and uh, you know how it helps developers be productive. Uh, so uh, Code Catalyst is a end-to-end -end integrated DevOps tool chain that lets any development team go from idea all the way through production uh, quickly and easily on AWS. Um, uh, Code Catalyst is a completely managed service, and it has all the tools that a team needs. So it has issue tracking and work item management. It allows you to, to store and manage your source code, um, collaborate with other team members through Slack and our um, issue boards, as well as create CI/CD workflows that are both uh, you can edit both visually and through uh, a YAML editor that makes it easy to deploy your code to AWS. Um, in addition to that, some, um, some of the neat things that Code Catalyst does is we have this concept of blueprints, which make it easy for you to model out your entire project. So not just your source code, but your workflows, your environments, your infrastructure, and everything, like I said, that your team needs to build a real application on AWS or any cloud for that matter. Yeah, so I I feel like the developer tool set has really come a long way in a short amount of time. And I have a developer background myself, and it used to be like each of these were individual steps that you had to do individually. And I went in and looked at Code Catalyst, and it seems like everything is all in one place, but it also seems like Code Catalyst has its own like website or page outside of the AWS console. Can you talk to me a little bit about that too? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we did with Code Catalyst is we wanted to make sure that we uh, it was a great place for developers to collaborate. And uh, we were talking just before we started the recording about CodeStar. Um, CodeStar was an early attempt at, at doing that. But um, as any developer has ever uh, tried to use the, the AWS console, and it does a lot of really great and powerful things, but one of the things that it lacks is the ability to know you as a person and to be able to collaborate. So simple things like at mention Morgan or at mention Doug um, are actually pretty challenging to build inside of the console. And so um, we knew that we needed a different environment for us to be able to provide the, that type of um, functionality. And so from the get-go, we decided we were gonna build Code Catalyst outside of the console so we could provide that type of capability for collaboration. Also too, is we wanted to create an experience that was really tailored for developers and their everyday you know, developer use. So one of the things that we tried to separate a little bit was the idea of like where you do development versus where you, where you run your application. 
And so you'll notice inside of Code Catalyst, we don't have really this notion of regions, right? So you log, log into Code Catalyst, it's a global endpoint. You don't have to specify which region you're doing your projects in. But when you go to deploy your code, we make it really easy for you to decide which region you're going to deploy to. And so there's these little um, UX uh, uh, differences um, that we're able to do outside of the AWS console um, than, that we couldn't do if we were inside of the console. So we, it's why we created this separate destination that was really, really tailored for daily developer experience. Yeah. And what has the feedback been like in the past six months since GA? So I think the feedback's been really positive. Uh, customers really, uh, some of the first things they say is, wow, it's a really different experience that I'm used to on AWS. This is really more of a developer experience, less than an operations experience. And so they're, they've been really receptive to, you know, I think what we've, we've built that fully integrated seamless experience where you can go from through any different stage of your, you know, the development lifecycle within a project. Um, one of the things we did though, is when we launched, we, we knew we were lacking some of the more advanced features that uh, say some of the larger customers or more sophisticated uh, teams would need things like SSO and VPC support. And so these are some of the things that we'll be talking about today that we'll be launching at reInvent. Um, in addition to some other things, I mean, Doug, do you want to talk about some other features or some of the other feedback that you heard? I think you actually hit it. Those are the couple of the, the big things that we've heard is that it, it was good for an individual to work on a project, but as you wanted to get more into a larger team or a team of teams that again you're missing we're, we're missing some of the, we're missing some of the core features that actually as of today we've already now released um mm -hmm. and again as harry said we'll talk about more yeah and i, I think I, I maybe the one thing we could touch on is like i said i we, we i mentioned that we have this concept of blueprints and people really like this idea uh, you know blueprint in its simplest form it, it we we provide a number of blueprints out of the box you know so when you go to code Kyle's and create your project uh, you have three ways you can do that. You could either use a blueprint, you can create it from scratch, or you can import or link your uh, project on GitHub. Um, when you use a blueprint, um, it automatically scaffolds and builds out your entire project for you. Like I said, it's not just your sample code. It's everything you need to uh, actually you know, deploy something to, to uh, AWS. Uh, customers, the uh, very first thing they said, these are great. How do I create my own? Right? So... Uh, I think a lot of feedback we got was how do we, um, how can we create these and how can also we use these in more powerful ways? And so I think those are some things we could talk about too. Yeah. So we definitely have some follow-up questions for blueprints for you, but I just want to make a quick comment just as a user of Code Catalyst myself. Something that I love about the blueprints is there's a really solid collection of them that are public that you can go through and just use to explore the service and explore AWS in general, even for non-developers. So like if you're not a developer and you're looking on trying to build something on AWS, there's already a collection of apps that have the CICD pipeline built out, have the code, the repository, it's all right there in Code Catalyst. So I think that that's a great call out, even for people that are trying to just learn more about tech and AWS in general. Yeah, and we've actually seen that. We've had um, some of our AWS heroes who have worked with schools and some STEM initiatives and start uh, students in Code Catalyst, right? Because you don't have to have all of the understanding of how it's working and you get started with a working application, right? Um, the other thing that we haven't talked about that I think customers have liked um, is the dev environment. So even if you are not a developer, and you have, and you get your project set up. Um, a lot of times, from that point forward, if you want to go make changes, you need some an IDE. You might have to set up a local machine with dependencies. 
right? And all these things that would take time and or uh, knowledge on how to do it. Um, with dev environments, uh, you don't have to do any of that, right? Uh, your your machine becomes sort of the thin client front end where all of the heavy lifting is being done on a cloud-based machine in the background that stood up for you with all the right dependencies for that particular project. All the developers on that project get the same consistent experience across their um, dev environments. Um, and so we've seen a lot of success with that as well, including uh, customers being able to launch a browser-based IDE, right? So you have to have nothing installed to actually get started. Yeah, and I think that really helps solve the whole, like, it works on my machine thing with development environments. Because I know for me, that was, like, always a big pain point is something works for me, but maybe you have a different dependency than I do, and we don't know that, and things are behaving differently. So I really love that feature um, as well. All right, so looking forward now here. So can you talk to us a little bit about the new features that are being released at reInvent this year? What's coming up for Code Catalyst? On Monday night, we're releasing the Enterprise tier, which is going to contain a couple of different things. Um, it'll contain the, the long-awaited feature of private blueprints, which again allows customers to build their own blueprints, codify their best practices, and then enforce some lifecycle management on those as well. Um, we're also going to be releasing uh, with that a new tier of service. So we called the Enterprise tier. Today, we have a free tier, a standard tier. We'll have an Enterprise tier of service as well. And then on Tuesday, uh, we've got the releases of the Gen AI features. So we've integrated Amazon Q inside of Code Catalyst, um, and we've opened up a few new avenues for the ways that uh, uh, developers can collaborate with Gen AI. That sounds awesome. So for the private blueprints, is that something that's just for the enterprise tier, or is that for how? What scope does that apply to? Yeah. So at launch here, it'll be for the enterprise tier. Um, and what the enterprise customers will be able to do again is create their own blueprints, publish those blueprints back to their own spaces such that their developers and their teams can then begin creating projects off of that blueprint. Uh, in addition, as they've, as they might have changes with those blueprints or as they would find things that they wanted to change, right? Whether that's a, a version of Java or they find a security issue with that, um, uh, this, the way the blueprints worked is that they're a living document, right? So they're a living thing. It's not a template like where you make a copy of it, you use it, and then as soon as you use that template, you're sort of disconnected from the uh, the thing that you were created from. Um, the blueprints work in a manner that is such that that connection is maintained. And so if, if I have a blueprint, a private blueprint, and I have hundreds of projects get created off of it, I can actually see a status of exactly which projects were created off which version of the blueprint. Um, when I change the overarching uh, blueprint, I can actually force pull requests onto all the projects that were created off of that blueprint. So if you think about an organization trying to um, start and or maintain those best practices, they would have a, an inventory of all of the projects and how they were created and, and where they're at in their status today. Interesting. And you, you were telling me uh, off mic, you have a really interesting way of looking at cost that I haven't seen before. And it kind of it can scale up as the team grows. Can you talk a little bit to that? Yeah, one of the things that I think makes our enterprise tier slightly different than what's been done in the in the industry so far is that we actually scale the the amount of things that you get by the users that you have. Uh, what we've tried to do is reduce the variable costs. Um, customers have told us they would prefer fixed costs. And so for every developer you have on your enterprise tier space, you get additional compute minutes, additional dev environment hours, um, additional storage that would come with that as as you sort of scale as you scale your team, the resources you get from this Code Catalyst also scale with you. Nice. 
you picked my interest here where I can grow. I don't have to worry about variable costs. And then you threw in Gen AI, which got me excited too. And I, gosh, for me, a lot of Gen AI, we've done episodes on here before. I feel like it's bifurcating, like a lot of our industry does, where we used to say things like enterprise and consumer, and I don't know what we're going to say with Gen AI, but it's it's kind of like your, your everyday life and then spe- specific business tasks, right? And what we've seen with products like Code Whisperer, and we just did the uh, the Code Whisperer terminal this week, which was super interesting. Somebody coming from Alexa with NLU being able to say, copy all my files in this directory to S3, and it goes boom, 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 and it gives you all the code to do it. You all are like, how did you make this real, right? Because it's it's you got to, at the end of the day, uh, I don't like that term, <laughs> but it popped in my head anyway. At the end of the day, you got to figure out how to make this stuff real right? In the enterprise and building software, especially for developers. How did you go about thinking before you even put these features in of what, how that all fits into play in, in that entire flow, in that space of everything that happens in, a, in the project? I mean, you have CICD, you have all these other like hooks. How does Gen AI fit? And then what pieces of that flow, like at what point uh, does it make sense, right? Where it's not a, a hindrance. And one of the, one of the cool things about putting something like Q into Code Catalyst is, you know, like we've talked about before, Code Catalyst is a completely integrated toolchain. So that AI technology has access to all of the information about your project. So it knows about previous issues, it knows about your source code, it knows about your workflows, it knows about other people on your project. And you can use that information with the generative AI to do some really powerful things, right? Um, And so we sort of looked at it at two levels. What are some of the ways that we could use AI to make everyday tasks simpler? So if you look at things like, you know, every time you create a pull request and you want to create a well-structured definition of what that pull request is so that um, someone, you know, the person who needs to approve it can just easily look at the summary as opposed to having to go through every line of the change, uh, all the way through doing really complicated tasks like, Hey, help me add this new capability or feature to my application. Um, and so one of the nice things that you can do in code catalyst is assign the AI to your, uh, issues like another team member. So, um, for, if, for those who want to try it out, you can go to Code Catalyst and you'll see some new preview features that allow you to assign, um, uh, you know, your task to AI and AI will then start to go and work on that task for you. And it can either do that automatically and go all the way from idea to a mergeable pull request, or you can interact with it and help guide it to whatever outcome you want it to achieve, whether that's all the way to code or, you know, even just getting uh, an approach for how to fix something. And one of the things I, one of the examples that I always talk about is like, you know, so often I want to just go make a, a minor background change. And I never know in the website if I have to go to some master CSS file, if I have to go to each individual page, if I have to go to some other inherited CSS file. And one of the yeah. cool things is you could actually, you know, hey, figure this out for me where do I uh, have to make these changes, you know, and it can tell you, and then you can choose to do it yourself. Or if you want to, you could then assign that additional task of making those changes to the AI. So um, 
uh, I guess, you know, to answer your question about, you know, how did we think about it? We, we really thought about it first holistically. How can AI help you go from idea all the way to PR? And then also uh, when, you know, how does it help you um, um, improve just the, the quality of life of everyday tasks from understanding things better to describing things better and so on? Yeah, I really, I like that, Harry, because all the examples we've seen with Gen AI so far has just been writing code. Right. And it's you're you're looking at helping developers in all the stuff I have to do as a developer in doing PRs and being part of this. Pro- and I, I love that. Well, simple thing like, you know, I want to work on an open source project and I'll fork it. And then I'm like, OK, I can go through re- go through all the readmes and also the kind of stuff. But there's always these these questions I still have about projects. I've been using uh, code. I've been doing this in Code House a lot where I'm asking it, hey, you know, help me explain how this build script works. Like. There's two different builds. There's a Gradle.bat and there's just a regular Gradle file. Like, h- how does this? How does this actually work? And it'll explain the file to me, and then I have a better sense of like, you know, what the output file should be, what the, the new file is actually generating. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not just about creating code. It's about code understanding. It's about um, assisting. It's 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 the it's um, it's like having a virtual team member. Yeah, and what was really cool. Um... What's really cool about Amazon in general is the way that we start everything by working back from the customer, right? So in this case, we were able to think about developers, how developers are interacting with tools today, how they're developing or how they're working today, and then find points that we, and find areas where uh, Gen AI capabilities might be able to assist, right? Some of the things that we've noticed so far, um, like Harry mentioned, the code summarization stuff is really good, right? Being able, it's very good at being able to summarize large amounts of context and content nice. and help you get up to speed much more quickly. Um, I would say that, you know, um, while we, we do have features that um, do write code for you, depending on how complex that code is, sometimes it gets sometimes it gets lost in generating that code. But at the same time, um, I'd say we, we kind of knew that coming into it and even getting a partial solution helps get you closer to your end goal, right? So um, we've seen, we found that even when the code generation um, isn't all there, it's still very helpful as a, for a developer to be able to have a partial solution that they can work off of. Yeah, I agree. Like as a developer myself, it's having, having to not just stare at the blank screen with the cursor to get started. You know, it's like, I can actually start by explaining what I'm trying to do and then go from a, maybe a semi working example that still is going to help me with productivity. So whenever you're interacting with generative AI with and code catalyst, is this all integrated into kind of like one console or area? How exactly would a developer be interacting with this, you know, virtual team member? Yeah, I think the the goal here is to make it the same as you'd be interacting with anybody else, right? So to give you an opportunity to interact with, um, in this case, AWS Q or Amazon Q, sorry, um, throughout. So um, Harry mentioned a couple of different features that we're, we've launched. Um, the first one, if you would like to work with it on summarizing a code repo or helping you develop an approach to a problem, um, or I, I, refining an issue or refining that thing, that problem you're trying to solve, um, you would do that through the issue management uh, uh, system. So you'd go in, you'd create a new issue, and you'll you'll see three different ways to assign this issue to somebody. It's either assigned to someone else, assigned to you, or assigned to Amazon Q. Once you've done that, um, this is where Harry talked about this, I think, already a little bit, but you can enter an interactive mode if you want to 
sort of provide feedback to the AI and and help it guide guide it towards the answer that you were looking for or an area that you were looking for, and also tell it, don't worry about this. Um, and it will go through multiple steps, summarizing a code repo, um, coming up with an approach to the problem or the issue that you've given it uh, that you want to solve, um, generating code, creating a pull request, assigning that pull request to you when it's done so that you know that you can go look at the changes that it made. And then there's even a final step on that where if there's a workflow that would operate um, on a pull request. So if you have a workflow set up in your project to operate when a pull request is created, that workflow starts running. Um, and Amazon Q can also try to figure out if there's any problems with that workflow. Why does why is there a problem and what do you need to do to fix it? Just as a, a small ancillary here, I had as as I was using it, I had an issue where we were trying to run a code guru scan um, and my workflow my on PR was failing. <clears throat> Amazon Q was able to figure out that it was because the role that I had associated with my AWS account inside of Code Catalyst didn't have permissions into Code Guru, and so it was failing because of that. So that was nice. something that could have taken me a while to figure out, right? And I knew the exact answer. I had to went and changed the role, and I was done. Right? Yeah, that is so cool. I feel like that's super, super valuable to help people get over, like even some of the smaller details with troubleshooting that can otherwise take a long time to find. Like I think of it like. It's like having someone with fresh eyes be able to come in and look at it and give you the lay of the land. Whereas I know for me, if I'm staring at a problem for too long, I'm not going to be able to solve it unless I go take a break. But it's nice that now I can talk to someone who's, you know, or talk to something that has a fresh perspective and help me get through that. Yeah. It's, it's how many times have you uh, stared at something forever and then asked someone to help you and they walk behind you and go, oh, you're missing a dot. <laughs> Right. This is like right. that moment over and over. It'll tell you, oh, you're missing the dot or, you know, the file name is wrong. You, you know, there's an extra T where there shouldn't be or something. It, it, it is. It, it, it's been um, it's been sort of eye opening um, how quickly you adapt to using it and you start to go back and forth. Right. Um, so so one of the things I think we need to we need to talk about is, you know, the expectation of where the technology is right now. So, you know, a lot, uh, we're launching all of this as preview, um, by no means is it, um, you know, sort of, uh, GA ready. Um, but, but it gives you a, a great introduction into how to work with this technology because the quality of the output is almost directly proportional to the quality of the input. And you start to think of, you have to start to think about this. Like I have to be really good at, not, it's just like a person, right? Like I have to be really good at describing these things if I expect uh, the technology to produce the result that I want, right? So you can't be lazy with your words. You can't be lazy with what you're asking it to do. And you have to be somewhat patient with the response and then willing to adapt and, and work to refine those responses. And you know, that's why we have this sort of like turn by turn mode because, you know, it'll do, it'll do things like, oh, I thought you meant to, I, I'll tell to, hey, create a new folder named this and put, and you'll create a new file that says this in it. But I wasn't precise about where I wanted that folder to be. And next thing I know, it puts it six levels down in the samples folder when I really wanted it at the root. And so what I have to say is like, oh, no, that was almost it. You know, can you, you know, no, don't put it in the samples folder, put it at the root. And then if, it, you know, but it's just like, you know, directing another person, you have to be really explicit about it. And so 
the better you are at, I wouldn't say writing prompts, but at least being very specific about what you want the technology within your code, the better the results you're going to get through this within Code Catalyst or anywhere really the queue shows up, whether it shows up in the IDE or the console, you know, it's the same technology, it's the same experience throughout. So I think one of the things that as people go and try this and approach it, they got to remember that it's a, it, it is a, uh, it's a two-way experience on this. It's still, you know, it's not magic. <laughs> you've got, you've, you still have to be good at explaining what you want. Actually, you probably have to be better than explaining what you want than where you are today. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I love this. It, one of the things that's happened through my career is I've always fallen into these areas of technologies that are accessing both the right and the left side of the brain. And, you know, coding, depending on if, you know, like what Morgan was talking about, starting from scratch, you're, you're trying to access a portion of your brain that's thinking in symbols and feelings into where the code would be in the left side of your brain. And AI, one of the things I noticed, just like in Alexa, where I would watch myself and I would watch customers and people who would actually ask for things first versus typing it. And you saw that in the data where people would do mobile searches by just talking to Siri or talking to Google Assistant. One of the things, I feel like this is the point, Harry, because we're six months now into kind of like this gen AI thing. Uh, at least I, I should say six months into me using it in my everyday life is my expectation now is I have error check on everything I do in life. <laughs> and what you just explained to me was that error check. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to become what what we assume is going to happen i it's it's getting this point if i write an email if i do a slack message if i it doesn't matter what i type it's like can you just make this a little bit better right. and i i found that to be incredibly powerful because mm -hmm. as someone for me i think in terms of what i want to convey across as emotion and story but the words always get in the way yeah. and i feel like the ai is great at that and great at the code so what you're saying for someone like me that I feel like any tool that doesn't have that moving forward, the developer is going to be 10x more productive when it has that. You know, I just need to be able to name that assistant. I, I want to yeah. name him Tim. Can I name him Tim? <laughs> well, My friend, Tim? It's, it's the name is Q today. Um, but we, we don't have, we don't get, you don't get to name him yet. So I'm sure there's going to be nicknames or her. I like or, to name all know, my AI friends. Them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I think one of the things to think about too, is we talk a lot about being a, sort of a general purpose AI assistant and there's the assist part is really, when we think assistant, we think of some level of autonomy, Doug and I've gone back and forth about this a lot. Like we eventually the, there will be a level of autonomy, which is almost full autonomy where, you know, you're, you're sort of, the, you are the observer and the director and there's most by and large. AI will be doing a lot of the work, but right now we're not there. And you really have to think this more of, um, you really have to think more of this, not as the robot, but robot gloves, right? Like I put these things on and they make me stronger. It's not that I have the whole robot and I'm directing it. Right. And it's kind of like what you're saying is like, I need that extra, I need that extra strength yeah. or assistance or knowledge or capability. And that's how we really think about this. Now it supercharges your existing capability, it doesn't replace your capability, right? Yeah, um, so. I love that take on it because it's like it's these are productivity boosters. And I think it also just fits perfectly in line with what Code Catalyst is all about, right? It's like helping developers spend less time 
on these sorts of tasks so that they can spend more time building differentiated features and really getting into the code and solving those important problems. So while we're still on the topic of Gen AI, are there Gen AI features that are being released? There's a couple of other ones. Um, So the one we've been talking about most directly here is called the feature developer, um, a feature development capability. Um, But we're launching two other things around sort of the summarization and explanation pieces that Harry mentioned earlier. So we've got um, one that if you've written or if you've, as you're writing code, our developers have already been using this, they loved it, um, that will write a PR description for you. So as you've written a bunch of code, you're now creating the PR, you nice. get the title, and then you either quickly go through the description or you know kind of write the description and put it on the next person to go read your code and figure out what you did, right? Um, this will write a detailed description for you um, that then you can just look at. And as we all know, it's always easier to figure out what's wrong with it than to come up with it to begin with. So you can just <laughs> nudge it a little bit and modify it a little bit as you see fit and you're done with your PR description. So um, our developers have been loving that one. Just got me the same warm, fuzzy feeling I, I felt the first time I saw Java doc get added. <laughs> um, the other Thank one, you. yeah, the other one um, is similar in nature to summarize comments on a PR. So again, if you think about a PR that has gotten lengthy, a lengthy number of comments, and you're brought in as an approver either late in the game or um, uh, you haven't been following them line by line, um, what this will do is summarize all the comments. So you can just very quickly and easily get a summarization of all the comments on that particular PR. And again, these are some of the things that we were um, sort of low-hanging fruit to help developers on things that typically developers just um, wanted help on. So um, uh, didn't want to spend time doing all the reading if they don't need to. So um, the other thing that you know, as we go into 2024 as well, we've got a lot of additional features that I think we can continue to roll out rather quickly. Again, we have a lot of the infrastructure in place. And so I'm even more excited for what we continue to uh, what we continue to push out in 24. So how can people explore these features? What, tell us about how they can get started. Yeah, I mean, the, the, one of the cool things about the Gen AI features, uh, to me at least, is they're free. Um, so during preview, which is what we're launching these in, in Code Catalyst, um, any developer who is a member of a Code Catalyst space, including the free tier, will be able to try them. Uh, the free tier is going to have limits of five for each one of the features that we've talked about today. The standard tier will have limits of 15 for the entire space, I should say, not per user. <clears throat> and then the enterprise tier, again, we've talked about a little bit that scales with users. Uh, and so that one will actually be scaling at, with 20 included per user. So uh, you have you know, 10 users, that's 200. Um, up to a maximum of 300 for a space at the enterprise tier. I love that. In the first time Adam uh, had asked me to look at Party Rock, and I started going through internally. So Party Rock AWS. If anyone hasn't checked it out, it reminded me so much of in Alexa when we built Skill Builder. Is it allowed exploration? And so suddenly people were just trying things visually, uh, instead of just looking at things API wise. And the feedback online, people are creating a ton of stuff with uh, Party Rock. And it's like, this is AWS, <laughs> right? Have you, you seen all this feedback? It's great to see of, I think that's the right approach right now because none of us have this all figured out. But it's like that experimentation and, and finding. And the fact that you tuned into that with the product to because uh, that's the biggest thing is cost, right? I'm not going to kick the tires if I have to worry about the cost. So the fact that this is within the free tier, uh, I think is is awesome. 
Yeah. And uh, to your point there, Dave, as people are kicking the tires and if you have feedback on the UX or the UI or, hey, this gave me a funky result, I don't like it, uh, send us feedback. Um, the easiest way to do that is inside of Code Catalyst. There's a little feedback button in the left-hand corner um, and that I can assure you those go directly to the team and we see all of them. So if you send feedback, I promise you I will see it uh, and I get an email on all those that show up. So overload my email. Yeah, that's great. AWS loves to hear customer feedback and they do integrate that. So definitely submit your feedback. I have one more question. So things have really progressed and changed a lot in the developer tooling space in a short amount of time. And it seems like with you know the introduction of gener generative AI, we're just accelerating things even further. So my question for you is like, what is the end game for developer tooling? Like, what's your vision where it's like, this would be where I want things to go um, in this space? I'll take a stab at that and then Dave, or then uh, Doug can correct me <laughs> after that. Um, no, I'm happy to correct you, Harry. Doesn't yeah, both everyone wrong. can correct me. Everyone can correct me there. Um, I think we see, we see. I think we, I, we see this evolving on two fronts, right? So we see AI becoming more capable and more powerful, and so we want to enable you to work with Amazon Q um, to do really sophisticated tasks. You know, to go all the way from an idea, eventually all the way directly to a deployment. Right. Uh, we want you to be able to work with Q to troubleshoot any issues in the future. You might work with Q to brainstorm ideas and collect customer feedback and understand what customers want and where they want the product to go. And that's all going to be very exciting. And it's going to a lot of questions come up about, you know, how people will work with that technology and, you know, what's the role of developers and those sorts of things. But one thing that we also see along with that that has to evolve is the ability to put guardrails and governance on top of your projects, right? And so we envision a place where you can work effectively with AI, with Q and with AI technology, but allow you to progressively um, open up the, uh, allow greater capabilities then the, as you feel more comfortable with the technology doing things for you. So for instance, we've always had this idea of putting uh, guardrails and governance on your deployment pipelines or your end-to-end -end project. And that was meant to um, help you collaborate better with other team members, right? So we do this a lot internally at Amazon where we, we have a system that takes some of the best learnings that we've had from all of our corrections of actions and years of operating large services and actually puts them in as rules in the pipeline. So don't deploy the day before prime day. Don't uh, always ensure that you're uh, uh, slowly doing your deployments first to one box, then one region, then one other things. And then, then the rest of the region, um, they, those types of rules apply even more as the AI technology becomes more sophisticated because the rate of change will increase dramatically. And so for us, we look at Code Catalyst, a sort of a two-prong approach. How can we continue to make developers more productive by collaborating with each other, as well as collaborating with AI technology? And how can we allow IT leaders and those that are responsible for the business to put the right guardrails and governance to be able to control both human and non-human, you know, generated code? Um, and we, we kind of envision this, you know, progressive uh, opening up of capabilities where eventually, you might have full autonomy 
uh, allow full autonomy if you're in such an environment. Yeah, totally. No, you summarized it really well. And I think, you know, it's really in the, it's in you all's hands uh, who will be using these products to determine how quickly these things get adopted and or don't. And what we want to be able to do um, in terms of providing these tools um, is to ensure that we've got it set up in a way that works for you, right? So if you need, if you want more guardrails for a while, great. If you want less guardrails for a while, great. Um, and so really put the power in your hands to, to use as much or as little as, as makes sense for your business. So. Thank you so much for taking the time. Where can folks find you online? I know codecatalyst.aws. We can go and yeah, kick so, the tires so, yeah. around. Yeah, so you can you can give all the stuff that Dave and I are talking. You can do you can. <laughs> I'm on your mind it. today, Harry. I, I can't help it. You can give all the things that Doug and I have been talking about a try by going to codecatalyst.aws, um, and uh, everything is be available uh, that we talked about there. Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, H-M-O-W-E-R. Um, and Doug, how do they find you? Yeah, same thing. LinkedIn, Doug Clausen. Um, the other thing I'll mention is that there we can link them as well, Dave. We've got a couple of presentations that we've done at reInvent. Uh, oh, nice. At last year in Developer Innovation Day that talk more about Code Catalyst. Uh, so we can certainly link those as well. Uh, and then we'll have uh, sessions uh, from this reInvent getting released shortly after as well. So. Love it. I'll make sure I add those too as soon as we release them. Usually it's like a couple days after. We're pretty pretty quick with that. Well, I want to I want to thank you all for taking the time today. Just really taking the 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 dream of Gen AI and bringing it back to an everyday reality for developers uh, within the tools cuz that's you know, for me as a developer, it's still that feeling. First time I opened Visual Basic, it just made my life easier. And just really, you know, you're doing that today in the cloud and taking those first steps. I'm, I'm excited to, to use the tool myself. So thank you so much. And thank you to you too, Morgan, for taking the time to uh, co-host today with us. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Thank you. got a number of harry we're here in your keyboard sorry yeah um was um i'm screwing this up i i think we, we shouldn't dive into that part yet um i think i'm getting no, you're doing great you're doing great yeah, yeah i thought I it was fine it's all good it's all good i was going too in the weeds on that maybe we should oh, please do that's what I, we want to do well the, the audience is developers right so i feel like yeah. the weeds are where we all live you got this <laughs> you got this you can do it you may start it over. <laughs> yeah, you can start it whatever you feel comfortable with. I'll take the best pieces of it and combine it together. Maybe I'll just combine the inner. He's going to give me something to do. If you want to, we can kind of volley it back and forth. Like you're like, you know, we're launching an enterprise tier. Maybe talk about like the current tiers that exist. And then one of us yeah, could ask right. a follow up. Like, what are some of the features that are <laughs> specific to the enterprise tier to kind of make it more? The, the, we have two tiers today. You want to start? You want to start? Or was that, that that wasn't me asking you like 
when we were ready to flow. Do you do you want me to answer oh. that, or do you want to continue? Oh, I'm confused where we're at now. We should just wanted to start over from the top, and we were giving you examples of questions we can ask. Oh, oh make it more interactive. Yeah, we should totally do that. Do you want to start from the top? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, how about I can ask you the lead-in question again about what's coming up for reInvent, and then we can go from there. Sounds good. Perfect. Okay. You should do right. a podcast, Morgan. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> no, no thanks. Seems like a lot of work. <laughs> Here, you're muted if you want to talk. <laughs> He's doing ran again. I love it. All right. I'm just writing down. I was happy to answer. Uh, no, Harry wants his moment. I could see it. He's got his finger on the mute. Come on. You could do still, it. You could do it. Still muted. No, he's muted? Yeah, he's still muted. Oh, there he's Now he knows. Oh, he's muted in in here, right? Harry, hit the button. Harry, hit oh, button. There we go. In the oh, you YouTube. muted me, Dave. I thought you were unmuting me. You, I can't. I couldn't. No, you, you actually did me. it yourself. No, you did it yourself, dude. Because I tried hitting the button. It wouldn't let me. It wasn't me, Harry. It'll <laughs> just kidding. It's okay. <laughs> you literally typed, I muted you, Harry. I know. I thought I muted you. I thought I muted you. But then I discovered, oh, I'm an idiot. I couldn't mute Harry because the button, every time I click on it, it's just an image. Only the guest can mute themselves. All right. Well, anyway, let's recenter, refocus. <laughs> it was a great. I just. It was all about Gen AI, man. This is it our was. time. But you're bringing the real deal. Doug, we can hear you typing like crazy. <laughs> Let me mute Doug. Let me see. Oh wait, look, I muted Doug. All right, but I can't unmute Doug. Right. I've only right. done a hundred episodes of this, but I know how it works now, Harry. Yeah. Okay. Um, but um, what best. I was going to say, I appreciate was, um, yeah, 